Welcome to My Leap of Faith podcast. I'm going to take you on my journey from living a life that felt completely inauthentic and unfulfilling to discovering myself through the help of healers, crystals, psychedelics, and learning to trust my own intuition. I'm continuing to let go and leap every day in search of what I'm really here to do, and I want to bring you along for the ride. I'm excited to talk to you guys today about my trip to Mount Shasta. My friend and I had planned a trip there about, a, a, well, like a few months ago, but it had gotten canceled because her her dog got sick and she didn't feel comfortable leaving her. But um, it was some pl- a place that I knew I wanted to visit. And when we were trying to think of a road trip to do, I was like, oh, let's go to Mount Shasta. And uh, we live in San Diego, so it's about a 10 hour drive. And she's always like game for these kind of random trips that I ask her to go on me with. Um, I want to first say like she's she's not on her spiritual path at this point. She definitely I think longs to be, but she and she's curious. But at the same time, she's always telling me she's not ready yet. So she doesn't listen to this podcast, and I in the beginning, I, it kind of hurt my feelings, <laughs> just to be honest, because I felt like, well, how can my best friend not care what I'm putting out there, you know? And I had this conversation with Richard, and he said, you know, if she's not ready to hear what you have to say about this stuff, it, it it's something that's not resonating with her. And it just, it spoke so true to me because it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. If you aren't ready to receive the spiritual healing available to us all, it means nothing. So although she's super supportive of me, she she can't be on that journey with me. However, whenever we plan a trip, like we went to Bali and then we were talking about doing a road trip since we can't um, fly anywhere, I was like, let's go to Mount Shasta. And she was game. So that's kind of the setup of us going up there. And along the way, I definitely have been doing like meditations and asking my guides for help on how to, you know, assist her and how what I can do to help her on where she is at in her own journey. So um, we went up there and um, I, well, well, I'll first say that the the weekend right before we left, I took uh, an Akashic Records course. And as if you guys have listened to the Akashic Records episode, you'll know that um, the person that I had the reading from and then I took their course. Um, And so... I was meant to be practicing while I was up in Mount Shasta. So it was like kind of perfect timing in a way because I was in the perfect place to do this connection, but also asking it the questions that I had about our trip. So um, we got up there really late on the first night and um, the next day I opened up the Akashic Records and asked, you know, what what are we supposed to do today? Or what, you know, what are, what should we do? And it was like, um, you guys need to, it said, move, move, move. You need to get the energy moving out of you and flowing into you just move. And that, um, that was like one of the things that I was like, okay, so that day we woke up and I, 
the place we were staying had bikes that you could borrow. So we got bikes and we stayed on the bikes all day long. We went to um, a, a lake and jumped in the lake because it was super hot that day and just like cruised around town, went to some crystal shops, like really had a, a great day. And it just felt like such a connected place. And then the second day we went, decided to go to Crystal Lake and hike up to Heart Lake, um, which was another sacred, two sacred spots. And um, once we finished the hike and came back down the mountain, it was so hot again. So we went into the Crystal Lake and um, in the guidebook that I have, it said that you should swim out to the middle of the lake to have like this kind of raising your vibration and purity. And so I, I decided to float on my back and just kind of meditate my way out there. And it was cold because it's, it's like a glacier lake. So it was freezing, <laughs> but I mean, I think it was like 93 degrees that day. <clears throat> so, um, I did that and it just felt like super refreshing and just like, I don't know what was going on, but it wasn't crowded up there. And it just felt like such a beautiful day, like not too many people, just really, uh, just really special. And then our last day there, um, we had planned a sacred sites tour of Mount Shasta. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about, because there were some such interesting stories from our guide and um, very special so the day we got there, I was looking for someone to bring us to the sacred sites. And um, there a site, uh, a website called ShastaVortex.com um, came up and I emailed them and asked, you know, to book us in. And, and she's, you know, she, the owner was like, OK, um, we're, we have availability on Thursday uh, who do you, he, here's a choice of the, the tour guides that you have. Who do you want to, who would you like to do the tour with? And I, I said, I'll leave that up to you because knowing like the flow and knowing what your spirit needs, you don't need to have the answers. You don't need to have like the outcome in mind. So I just totally left it open. And I'm so happy that I did because it ended up being the perfect person, the perfect time, the perfect day, everything. So on Thursday morning, we went to the office and um, she, the owner, uh, had us pick us a, a card. Um, she said, "You're going your your tour guide is um, Garth Skywalker, and he likes to start his tours with you guys picking a spirit animal card." So um, while we were waiting for him, uh, we each, you know, had we each had two separate decks, but I pulled the um, the owl which is one of my spirit animals. And the owl represents wisdom, good judgment, knowledge, intuition, and seeing beyond the mask, the masks of people. My friend pulled the dog, which is patience, reliability, guardianship, protection, service, and selflessness. Um, so then at that point, Garth came and he would right away he was just this great energy and he goes uh, I just saw a raven fly over so I know this is going to be a good day and the raven is about rebirth um, recovery renewal recycling reflection and healing and he signifies moving through transition smoothly by casting light into the darkness 
So uh, we went outside, and right away he goes, I can read auras, and I, I just have to tell you what I'm seeing here. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I, I don't read auras, so tell us. And he said, I, I see an infinity loop going between you two, and it's all the colors of the rainbow. And right when he said that, my, like, kind of, like, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up because in all of the energy work that I do, I always envision an infinity loop. And for some reason, I had never heard another energy person talk about this. So for me, when I work with someone, I have them imagine the waves of the ocean and I loop the infinity around the heart chakra and then to the wave. And I that's how I pull the chakras into the same flow as Mother Earth. So when he said that, he saw an infinity loop between her and I, all the colors of the rainbow. I, I, It's like verbalizing something that I already know deep down. And I think my soul is connected to her in some way that I can't explain. I mean, we've known each other for over 30 years, but there's times that I have felt like we aren't on the same path. And why are we so you know, connected if we don't have anything in common. Um, And I've gone through that feeling with her off and on, but I know like we're soul sisters in some way, you know, like there's just a connection between us that I'm sure has to do with past lives. And I'm sure that we are connected, our souls are connected, um, maybe from the same soul family. But I, I know that my soul is like, pulling her along on this journey. And even though I know I can't uh, force her awakening, I have to be patient for her to come there on her own in her own time. I also feel like we're, we're in this life together for a reason. So when he said that, I, I, I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, so then he said, I want to measure your auras Um, at the start of the day and at the end of the day. So he had these um, dowsing rods, which are like these, um, I think they're made out of copper um, rods that people use these to, um, to look for water sources. But what he did is he held them both in his hands and he said, like, I think I went first. So he put me on this line of the sidewalk and he said, I'm gonna just walk until I tell you to stop walking. And I couldn't see what he was doing. So I just take off, start walking. And then he said, stop. Now turn around and count your paces back to this line. That's what I did. And my number was 10 steps back to the line. And then he had Maureen go and her same thing, but this time I could watch what he was doing. So he's holding the rods and they look like um, perpendicular to you as you're walking away. And he's holding them straight and he says, show me Maureen's aura. And then she starts walking and she's walking, walking, walking. And then all of a sudden the one on the left just goes cockeyed. Like it, it turns out and he said, stop. And then had her turn around and come back and count her paces back. And hers was 14. And I didn't realize like what was going on until the end of the day, but essentially the, the, the rods are pulling your energy and your aura until you get to a point where it's no longer connecting with the, the dowsing rod. And then it, it turns off like it, it, one of them 
uh, moves away from the, the source of energy. So that's how you can tell if your aura, essentially he wanted to know if our auras grow by the end of the day or not. So I thought was interesting. So he asked us if we had gone yet to the Sacramento headwaters and we had the day before, uh, because I, I had heard that it was like the most sacred water and, um, he's like, okay, but did you guys do, do prayers there? And I, and I were like, no, we just got the water. <laughs> and he said, okay, we're going back. So um, this, the Sacramento headwaters um, are the headwaters at Mount Shasta City Park, and it's the birthing place of the Sacramento River. It is here that the pristine waters flow from the heart of Mount Shasta and emerge into daylight. This pure crystalline spring is world-renowned, and people travel far and wide to experience the magic this water delivers to body and spirit. The, water, or the mountain glacier water travels many years through sediment and stone before reaching ground level. Drinking these living waters is a great way to purify, cleanse, and align yourself before starting on a journey in the Mount Shasta area. So essentially, like it's, they're saying that it attunes your body to receive the energy that comes from Mount Shasta. So that's why we had already gone, but he was like, no, let's go again. And I'm, I'm so glad that he brought us back because he found, he knew of a like more quiet spot with, with a bridge. And he told us like, these waters are sacred and they, they start the water. I mean, it's the river for the Sacramento River, but it's the start of of where all of the water comes from. So, by saying your um, intention prayer for your life at that bridge, it like infuses the water that then trickles out into the rest of the people of California with that intention. So, he wanted us to like really like think deeply about what we wanted to, our intention to be. And then we each went up on this bridge and, and put it out into the into the water. Um, and the water is super sweet. And it reminded me of the, the Trinta Holy Waters temple in Bali that we went to back in January. That water was super sweet too. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, it literally tastes like there's sugar in it for me. But I asked Maureen, does it taste sweet to you? And she said, no. So I think maybe it depends on the person. But for me, I was like, oh, it's so sweet. And when I said that to Garth, he was like, I know. So I know I'm not the only one that feels like it's sweet. Um, Just I think maybe to some people it tastes different. But it's super like cleansing and sweet. And when we were there the first day, like people just line up to get this water and like literally filling jugs and jugs of it and taking it home. Um, so it definitely has some healing properties. Um, although it does have a sign on right by where you collect the water that says this water has not been tested and kind of drink at your own risk kind of thing. Um, so from there, uh, he, he brought us up the mountain. We started going up the mountain. And while we were on our way up there, we told him that we saw a black bear, a baby black bear the day before. And he goes, of course you did. And then he goes, but you know, people come up here their whole lives and never see a bear. And so it was definitely a special thing. And I was like, yeah, I, I agree. And the, the black bear is good luck, and it is um, considered the embodiment of spiritual and physical strength. And about a month ago, Richard 
he takes like these motorcycle trips um, and like kind of tours around the U.S. And he was in Utah last month and he brought me home um, a Native American totem bracelet with a bear with bears on it. And he said that he picked this bracelet because of the courage that it represents and that he was so proud of me for the courage that I've had on my spiritual journey. So when I saw the black bear, I was like, of course I'm seeing the black bear. (laughs) Uh, Because he brought in that spirit for me and it was like a confirmation in a way. So even though Garth is like, you know, this never happens, of course it happened for you. (laughs) And that just, you know, again these signs are all part of the journey and part of like feeling into knowing you're in the right space in the right time and, and, and connected. So we're going up the mountain and we pulled over, um, to this little like rest spot and, um, Maureen had to go to the bathroom. So Garth and I were talking and he said, so what brought you to Garth? And I said, I, I know one. I mean, I, I said, I didn't, I left it up to, um, the tour, the tour office. I didn't, I wanted this to be what it was supposed to be. And he was like, oh, that makes sense. And I said, actually, you know, I think today is exactly one year from my awakening. And then he's like, what? So I looked on my phone and looked up the date, and sure enough, it was exactly the day that I awoke to energy and knew that there was something for me bigger than than what I had experienced before that. And he said, you know, that's not a coincidence. And I was like, oh, clearly, <laughs> clearly it's not a coincidence because we had tried to get in, you know, a, a tour in with them all week. And that day was the day that was open. And I didn't even know that I, I guess like if I really think about it, yeah, I guess it's been about a year since my awakening started, but I didn't know the date. And it was like, I don't know, like him talking to me about how did I get to this moment at this time? And I was like, wait a second. And it just flashed in my mind, like, this is this is your anniversary. And then it made me realize that, when we had planned the trip for a month or so earlier, no wonder it didn't happen. It wasn't the right time. And this day ended up being like such a special day for both Maureen and I. And again, it's like, it's all aligned. If you just, I guess, if you just uh, allow the uh, moments of alignment to to be seen, right? Because I could have gone through the whole day without realizing that. And uh, then he said, okay, let's, we went, we kept driving up the mountain and um, he pulled over at this kind of scenic view spot and we got out of the car and I mean, it's the most beautiful view you'll ever see. And actually I'm going to post a video and I think a few pictures of this spot because there's a story that goes along with it. And I really want you guys to, to be able to see it. So I'm going to post it on the Soul Tribe Facebook page. But he says, okay, like taking the view, and I mean, it's gorgeous. And, you know, when you look at a like a grand view, it's not like your eye focuses on really anything. It's just taking in all of it. And he says, now, I want you to look again and, and tell me if you see anything that looks like a painting. 
And so it would kind of scan the whole um, panorama view of this. I mean, it's huge kind of like a vista. And right away I saw it. I said, yes, right there. And I pointed to this area of this like sloping trees that go off of Mount Shasta. And I said, it looks fake. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. (laughs) And he said, let me tell you a story. So um, he was an assistant ranger on the mountain for, I think it's 16 years. And so he has spent a lot of time um, up on the mountain and he's of Native American descent. And there's this this kind of phenomenon called um, lentricle clouds that happen over Mount Shasta. And he asks, have we heard of what a lentricle cloud is? And we're like, no. So he pulls it up on his phone. And again, I'm going to post this picture on the group because it's insane. Um, they look like these flat cloud clouds that have space in between each one and they're layered upon each other and it forms a pyramid over the mountain and like the picture is so crazy you're gonna just be like what the heck is that so apparently this happens all the time over Mount Shasta and people take pictures of this and they come to the mountain for this specific uh thing to happen um, it didn't happen while we were there, but he said it's, it happens like maybe 45 days out of the year. So it's pretty regularly. So he, uh, planned, he had his camera and stuff re- in, uh, ready in the car one day. And he w- was going, he drove up to that spot and was planning to take, you know, professional photos of this, um, ventricle cloud as he's there getting set up and ready to take these pictures a lightning bolt strikes from Mount Shasta to this, it looks like this kind of grassy knoll in the middle of this panoramic view, which I, again, I'll put the pictures up so you can see it, but it has a couple of trees on it, but in general, like there, it's all forest. And then there's this one landing area that is, looks like just grass or, or greenery, but no, maybe one or two trees, not a, not like a forest. And he sees this lightning bolt go from the top of Mount Chasta to this landing strip or to this this knoll. And then he looks down at his camera because he's trying to capture something on his camera and the battery's dead. So he goes back to the car to get the backup battery, comes back, and there's another lightning bolt from Crystal Lake, which is across the, the town, um, right again, right to that spot on the grassy knoll. And he's like, what is going on here? He looks down at his camera. Again, the battery, the new battery is dead. And then there's a, sorry. <laughs> and then there's a third lightning bolt that comes. I don't remember where he said that one came from, but it also goes right to that grassy knoll. Now, at this point, he's kind of like freaked out and like, what the heck is going on? Because aside from this lentricle cloud above the mountain, there are no other clouds in the sky to create lightning bolts. And then also on that grassy knoll where they all hit, it's not on fire. You know, it's not like you can see these burn marks for where the lightning bolts struck. And he's like, so his theory is that he believes that the lentrical clouds are like a distraction for people to focus on the mountain so that they don't see what's actually happening down at that grassy knoll. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I think that that when the when this uh, cloud comes and appears over the mountain, he thinks it's a cover for 
I don't know if it's UFOs, if it's other spiritual dimensions, but they're landing on that strip in some way. And then we're like, where do they go? And he's like, I don't, I think that we can't see it. I think we can't, we're not at the same frequency as they are. So we don't see it, but that lightning bolt to get them there, we, I saw. And then like, it's so crazy because in the exact spot, like imagine, imagine a panorama view. It's probably a third of that view all the way to the left is where it looks fake. And of all of the whole Vista view, I pointed it out right away. Like it is so clearly looking fake. And, and I'm like, so what, what is it? <laughs> you know, cause now I'm thinking like, is he going to like pull a, a screen away and it's not going to be real? Like it literally looks like a flat surface of a painting of trees. And he said, what he thinks is that the energy between the mountain and that vis or in that knoll has carries a different uh, vibration because that's like their landing strip. And he's like, he said, so he went and investigated this area. Like he hiked down there and got by those trees and all of those trees at the top of them, they kind of um, fan out. So like, you know, if you think of a normal um, tree, it usually has one point at the top. Well, there, these trees all branch out at the top. So they're all like, um, I don't know, he said some have like eight different uh, branches off of the top, some have up to 17. And it's almost like he thinks that the the force of whatever's flying past them splits them. And we're just like, shut up. That's crazy. And this is my only example of something that I actually saw with my own two eyes and cannot explain. So if, I don't know, like, I don't know the reason that it looked like this, and especially out in in the mountain and in wilderness to see something that is so beautiful. And it makes me wonder, like, if we we didn't focus on, or, or he didn't ask the question, we would not have seen it, right? Because you, you don't take in details of, of a view that big. You just kind of like almost like scan over it and you're just like registering like, wow, this is amazing. But you don't actually look for the detail, right? So in this case, him just saying those words made me look and then notice it's not, there's something, there's definitely a different energy there. And now, I don't know if it's an energy portal. I don't know if it's just from the the lightning bolt going over this particular area, but there is definitely something different there. So then I, of course, was like, Maureen, do you see it? Am I like, am I making it up? And she's like, no, I see it. So it wasn't just me and Garth. She also could see that there's some some kind of, again, it looks like it's a painting. It just doesn't look real. Like it's almost like plastic. And I didn't go down into the canyon to go and see what actually is going on down there, but it looked fake. So I don't know if it's a, a, a mirror so that that is a portal for energies to come through, but there's definitely something there. So that was really, really crazy. Um, and again, I'm going to put the pictures and the video that I took of this area I don't know, as you guys probably know, pictures never capture what you can see in person, but I still am going to put them up so that you guys can see what, I, what I'm what i talking about because it's pretty crazy. Um, so then 
the next place that we went was um, he was like, I'm going to introduce you to the oldest tree in, in, in the mountain. And again, because he was a ranger there, he obviously knows everything about this mountain. But um, actually, wait, before he brought us to that part, he did talk to us about Bigfoot. And I'm, I am not, I'll tell you what he told us, but I didn't see anything like this and I can't verify it. But he said that there is a portal in, in the, on the mountain that if he was with a friend of his that's also Native American who just started like singing out this tone and in that tone, it opened the portal. And he believes that in this portal is where these larger creatures or as we call them Bigfoot live and they don't come out unless people hit that tone oops that tone in their their singing or their chanting so he said it's like something that is special to the mountain and only available to those with the vibration to access it now it turned out that his master healer who's passed on now did actually have two occasions where he had an encounter with this being. So I guess that secondhand, he did have stories of this. Um, and, you know, again, I don't know if it's true, but this guy was super connected. And I, I think that there is something definitely going on on that mountain. Um, and yeah, we'll just leave that one there. So then he said, I'm going to bring you to the oldest tree in the park. So we drove up the mountain and, um, it's a bristlecone pine tree and it was 30,000 years old. And it was so cute. He, uh, just got right in the middle of it and sat down and was telling us stories about it. And he said he meditates there all the time. And, um, he it was seeping some sap so he had us each um you know put our finger on it and smell it and it smelled like cloves to me but he's like he just had like such a deep connection with the tree and was just telling us how you know in all of nature they talk to us if we listen and like even the birds and the wind and they're all here to support our journeys but we just have to to acknowledge them and and be like available and open up to them and that, that part was just like, just super beautiful because it's still growing and it still like has these, you know, green or green leaves, sort of the pines. <laughs> um, and he was like talking to them. There was a little one growing on the side of it. And he was like, what are you doing there? <laughs> and he just had like this full on conversation with it. It was just so cute. And then um, that's at the start of Panther Meadows, which is another super sacred um, spot in Mount Shasta. And it's um, one of the most ancient outdoor temple sites on Mount Shasta. And this high mountain meadow uh, is revealing a purity and splendor to the senses that can transport you beyond space and time. It's a great place for quiet meditation. And this meadow is known for its pure crystalline springs. Um, there are many tribes that still hold this um, pl this space, you know, sacred, and they do their ceremonies up there. So it's very protected. You have to stay on a, a stone path. You can't go into the meadow itself because they are trying to preserve it. But it's such a beautiful space, and it just has this kind of, I felt, this kind of purity to it. 
and just I didn't see anything there but a lot of people do believe that they are able to see spirits there and um it's something that maybe if I spent the time meditating there maybe would have come but we were just walking through it so I didn't spend the time to connect that deeply with this space but it was very special and just super sacred and I believe one of the oldest um sacred sites of Mount Shasta and it which is still in use today and then our final trip was up to the top of the mountain and there used to be a ski lodge up there that has since been like it was abandoned many many years ago and then I don't know what year they ended up blowing it up and now it's just a bunch of rocks up there um but he called it the um, St. Germain of the Violet Flame living room. <laughs> and uh, then he went into this whole story about what um, St. Germain and the Violet Flame is. And essentially, people can call forward the Violet Flame when they're on that mountain. And it it's supposed to transmit dense energy to a higher vibration and people have actually captured this on on photos so i'm also gonna put a picture of this um in the facebook group essentially if you pull forward saint germain and call forward the violet flame it it's it appears to you and again it could be in a meditation but but Garth actually saw the violet violet flame there. Um, he was it was a Fourth of July night, and he went up to the mountain to watch the fireworks. And he ended up deciding to spend the night up there because it was pretty empty by the time the fireworks were done. And he was like, the ranger had just come up. This is when he first moved there. The ranger had already done like his last rounds, so he decided he was going to stay up there. And during that night, he just had a lot of um, different kind of events happen. One was like this little avalanche. He also saw um, lights, which he thought were people up at the very top of the mountain. And and this mountain isn't for like skiing in the sense that there are lifts to ski from the very top, but people do climb like rock climb up to the top and then snowboard and ski down. So he thought maybe there was somebody up there rock climbing. Um, and then he did see a violet violet flame that night as well and then um after he told us that story he was like come over here into the the living room of saint germain and essentially it's just all these huge boulders and he's like let's lay down on each one each one of you pick a boulder to lay down on oh i guess it was just me and maureen so we each picked a boulder to lay down on and it just was like I mean, maybe we just spent five minutes doing that, but it was just like this very peaceful and just clear energy. And it was just like such a nice day to spend with Garth. And I mean, just so many, like part of me thinks that this these vortexes or these energies probably live all around us. We just don't focus in on them and acknowledge them so therefore they don't reveal themselves to us but spending a day actually really paying attention to the energy was just kind of like eye-opening and and really just a beautiful thing so then the last thing we did with him was um he wanted to measure our auras at the end of the day so I went first and um you know he told me to walk 
uh, and then walk back. And my um, aura had increased from the 10 steps to the to 33 steps, which right when I said 33, I was like, oh, that's my number. I, I, I know that from the Akashic Records. And he said, you have to know that your energy is so strong that you can be in a grocery store and someone two aisles away is going to feel the love that you have to give them. So just let keep it open and just share it because that's why you're here. And it just really made me feel just connected to him and just connected, you know, and um, was just it's always a miracle and like a sacred moment when you do meet someone that is um, kind of on the same path as you and sees you for what what you believe yourself to be. So that was really beautiful. And then um, Maureen then went after me and hers had increased from 14 steps to 20 steps and he spent a lot of the day working with Maureen on on her trusting herself and opening herself and she's really struggling with what what's next in her life um because I think I did say that uh she was laid off from her career her job of 19 years um back in December. So she's still struggling with what's next. And um, so he was really spending a lot of time with her and helping her to reconnect with herself and, you know, listening to her intuition. Um, And I believe that my soul on a deeper level is really like cheering her on to get her to a place of opening her heart. And I know that these trips or these experiences are part of the journey for her. And I, I really believe that my, my goal as her friend or why I'm here with her now is to help like usher her there. And it may not be me that opens the door for her. And I don't think it will be, but I do think like all of these spiritual teachers that we've come in contact with are part of the equation, you know? And, um, some of the things I tell her that I do, She's totally like, oh, like, for example, the roomie. No, she was like, absolutely, I would never do that. But the life between lives reading that I'm having, I told her I was doing it. And she was like, oh, can you get me up an appointment? <laughs> and this was before she even read the book. So there are certain things that she's open to and some that she's not. And I, I just believe in my like deepest heart that this whole journey is the same thing for all of you. It's like, I'm just putting out there every single thing that happens because maybe even like a percentage of it will resonate with you. Maybe all of it, maybe none of it, but there's something that I have this deep hope that there's something in there that really will strike a chord within you and make you be like, oh yeah, this, this is what I'm, what, what I'm being called to do next. This is what I need to explore or investigate on my, on my own. And yeah. That's my hope for everything. So I 100% recommend going to Mount Chasta. And I will also say, I've also been to Sedona and the energies were totally different. So there is um, vortexes in Mount, or in uh, Sedona as well. But I have this feeling with Mount Shasta that felt like it resonated so much deeper than Sedona. Um, partially it's because the... Sedona is the desert and it's very dry and I don't know I, I felt like my lungs couldn't get as deep of a breath as they do and Mount Shasta was like 
oh, it's, it's just all green and all these beautiful lakes and it's just so fresh and it just feels alive. So if any of you are close to Mount Shasta or considering a trip, I a thousand percent recommend it. And I'm going to leave um, Garth's information below because it's, he is just a little uh, miracle. God won't stop. Till I let it all in to be away from the thing God won't stop till I let it all in.